The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today. I'm your spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is super friend, Wonder Twins Unite, co-host, Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jim. I'm so excited. We're Wonder Twins. <laughs> I remember ever... them fondly. <laughs> yes, they would They would put their fists together and they would say, Wonder Twin powers activate form yes. of... And then say something, and then I think they became that, or or that, hey, this is totally new thought. Like they manifested, right? Whatever it was that they put their little fist together today. So, oh, I love that. Let's be Wonder Twins. Let's do that. And I, if I recall correctly, and these were the worst superheroes I think you could encounter in uh, in the whole uh, paradigm, but um, very hilarious. You know, a bucket of water is what one of them would occasionally, you know, manifest. So, you know, I guess it's, it's what you picture as to what is needed, you know, to manifest, right? It is. You're reminding me also of Shmoo. Wasn't he related Shmoo. to them? Do you remember yes. Shmoo? Oh, no. Yes, I do. Shmoo was some sort of critter. So that's probably why he's coming to my mind. He was some sort of non-human that could make himself into all sorts of different shapes and do things too. Wow. We are getting metaphysical on old school super friends. We are. Who knew? I need to go back and I think those were Hanna-Barbera. I don't know. I'm going to need to go back and check into the spiritual development of 1970s cartoons. I will report back. I, I think we can consult with Raymond Anderson too. Uh, he's uh, deep into that. In fact, we should do a whole show on superhero spirit guides. Okay, listeners, that's coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to our uh, talk with Stephen D. Farmer today. Um, I know you're immersed into the animal world, but I have to confess, I don't know a lot about spirit animals and, and that sort of thing. So I'm really looking forward to finding out about connections with spirit guides and, and that sort of thing as, as far as animals are concerned. Yeah, I, I'm really excited that Stephen's on. I, I have a kind of a funny story about how I met him and got introduced to his work. 
Oh yeah. I was at a, yeah. I was at a retreat center and I had signed up for one of these five day, really intensive um, MB mindfulness based stress reduction training certification courses. And on the Friday night, they were kind of laying out what the schedule looked like for the week. And it was like up at six for meditation. We weren't done till 1 a.m. I mean, it was it was thick and wow, it was intense. Wow, that sounds intense, yeah. And I, I had this deep feeling of intuition of, I'm not supposed to take this course. Like, I, I do not have the commitment for this. I am not in the mindset to do this for a week. This is an expensive class and I just, I'm not supposed to be here. And I started to have a little bit of anxiety. And then I, I kind of heard this little voice that said, there's other stuff, you know, because it's a retreat center that has multiple things going on at the same time. So I went to the, to the main building and I said, yeah, this isn't working for me. What do you have? And they said, well, Stephen D. Farmer's teaching something about animal spirits. And I said, animals, I'm in. And so I ended up spending uh, a week with Stephen, uh, learning all about animal spirits, reading his books, doing sorts of different spiritual practices and everything. And at one point, he kind of urged us, um, not so gently, urged us to embody spirit animals that we felt connected to. And so the next thing you know, there's a bunch of us with a bunch of face makeup, and I, I wanted to be a squirrel, and I'm ratting my hair up, and one of the girls wants to be a monkey, so she's tied a yoga strap around her waist <laughs> so she can have a tail, and we look ridiculous, and we marched right across the campus of this retreat center up for lunch past all of those people who were meditating in their mindfulness-based <laughs> stress reduction course, and I thought, yeah, these are my people, and it was just a remarkable experience, so I really felt like Stephen understands this connection with the natural world in a beautiful way. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say and sharing it with everyone who's listening. And I, I can only imagine what the responses of the folks that were doing the, you know, mindful, quiet retreat to to all these folks marching around. I well, plus they were in silence, right? And we were really, really <laughs> loud. And one of the girls had made her face just a beautiful fish with kind of, you know, almost looked like she had scales and metallic, right? And we had just all of these um, different embodying. And I think what was neat about that was, you know, humans are animals. We like to say we're not. We mm -hmm. like to say we're something different. We're something superior and all of that. But to touch that animality that we have, uh, not as a bad thing, but as a sacred thing mm. is really powerful. And I think that's the power of working with spirit animals is to, to get a little more in touch with the fact that we are spirit animals. All right. So I have, uh, instead of my quote today, and I guess it's kind of a quote, I've pulled from Stephen's messages from your animal spirit guides, oracle cards and guidebook. And I thought, uh, I thought you might forgive me in doing that. Well, I did the same thing, Jim. Well, that is so, awesome. Wonder twin powers activate form of spiritual <laughs> spirit animals. Let's hear what you pulled. I actually pulled the peacock. Let yourself stand out and be noticed. Wow. And and how did that resonate? It did resonate. I want to read a little bit about what he, he writes yeah. in the guidebook. And it says, it's time to step forward and stop hiding behind any of the facades that you've developed over the years. Although these personas have been highly adaptive and it helped you along the way, for which you can be grateful, there's more of you to express to the world and it's ready to emerge. I, you know, it's it's really interesting because you know you know me and I can be both an introvert and an extrovert. 
Um, and, you know, although my ego sometimes likes it, I, I'm also a bit shy. Um, so I guess it's okay for me to step out more. And I, I think in some ways, that's what I'm doing with this show. I think that's interesting, because I know when I've when I've seen peacocks out out in the world, that they don't always have, you know, the full fanfare going on, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have all the feathers up all the time. But sometimes they are um, more reserved. And sometimes they're far out, right? So I think that that really, um, that's my experience of you too. So that's interesting. Interesting. I can't wait to see what comes out as you, uh, as you <laughs> expand your feather. <laughs> well, you know, what's really interesting is that I did a reading, a personal reading with uh, Vince and Jenna. And he said to me that my grandmother came through on my mother's side. And she indicated that she was um, sorry that she passed down too much modesty to our family in terms of mm. the, the our ability to stand out and do our thing and that you know she wanted me to take that and and release that so i find that really interesting that i would pick this card this time yeah this builds on that clearly yeah it definitely does so what did you what did you pick well so this is interesting uh, i had forgotten my cards when i showed up at my office today so i called my husband because we have the deck at home and i said pull a card and he pulled it and it was clearly for him. And I said, yeah, that one's yours. Now pull one for me. He pulled, <laughs> he pulled Wolverine and it completely related to something he was doing. I said, now pull one for me. And, uh, and he pulled Ladybug, hmm. which was really interesting because this is what it says. I've had a really crazy 48 hours, Jim. Hmm. All sorts of pieces have dropped into place and opportunities hmm. are connecting to each other. And it's been almost surreal how many things have uh, have come together in just 48 hours. And so Ladybug says, it is a time of good fortune and abundance. So be willing to receive all good things into your life. This is an auspicious time, one that is extraordinarily powerful. You'll find that everything goes very smoothly with little effort on your part. Your thoughts will be manifesting more quickly. So be observant and careful about what you are thinking. And so that last piece was really helpful because the, the first the first couple lines, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what's going on. And then I thought, oh, yeah, be, you know, be thoughtful, be thoughtful about what's happening. And I also like their associations in the in the book with the card deck. Yeah. And and what stuck out and I may have to ask Stephen about this later, but it stuck out that Ladybug is associated with Mother Mary. Interesting. I don't know why. Hmm. But that that's something I'm curious about, but also abundance, hope, delicateness, which makes sense, um, balanced with joy and fearlessness. So I am going to take away from this trying to be delicate and fearless at the same time. Oh, I like that. That is very cool. All right. So are you ready to jump into the episode? I am. Let's do it. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi, friends. This is Martha Creek. You can contact me, MarthaCreek.com. And I'm, this series is about resiliency, which is my favorite part about human beings and the innate capacity we have for that. So today's topic relative to resiliency is how to practice that and how to cultivate and uplift our innate inherent capacity for adapting for 
our ability to adapt to become stronger, to become a stronger human being, to have more well-being. And the idea then is to get to do something and practice things that leave me feeling more empowered. How could you feel more empowered today? So the invitation is to make a list of things that you have some control of. I have control of when I'm going to go to bed. I have control of how, sometimes I have control of how I'm going to respond to something. I have control of some emotion that says when I get really jacked up and anxious or infuriated or raged or outraged or enraged that I can say, I have a control of, I'm not going to go fire off an email while I'm in that shape. I'm not going to go fire off a text until I take a pause, get more in myself, get more connected to myself and to my options so that I can feel empowered and in charge of the way that I'm going to approach this, how I'm going to be less reactive and then more respondent, more responsive to the matter. So what would be a list of things you have some control over? It could be your attitude, your perspective, your disposition on what you're going to have for your meals today, um, who you're going to call or not call, who you're going to put on a schedule. So feeling empowered, feeling empowered, and then consciously choosing things that leave you feeling, leave me feeling more empowered and doing this on a moment-to-moment, situation-to-situation, interaction-by-interaction approach. So practice, practice, practice. And then, of course, you know, practice makes progress. Yes. So then the more I practice feeling more empowered, the more I practice gaining perspective, the more I practice the reframing, then the more resilience I'm going to cultivate and develop. And then in New Thought, we say we practice choosing to think more positively, thinking, choosing to look for a better feeling. What would be a better feeling about this? What would be a better perspective? What would be a higher perspective, a higher consciousness? And then it could be using affirmations. I am empowered. I have choice here in this matter. I have some control on how I'm going to respond to this. So using affirmations for the bolstering of that and the underpinning of that. So resilience, resilience. I see and know your resilience. I am resilient. I have an ability to adapt to challenges. I have an ability to grow through challenges, not just to go through them, but to grow through them. Love to you, friends. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. And now it's time for our interview. Dr. Stephen Farmer is a licensed psychotherapist, soul healer, and author of several best-selling books and oracle cards, including Animal Spirit Guides, Earth Magic, Earth Magic Oracle Cards, Children's Spirit Animal Cards, Healing Ancestral Karma, and the recently released Shaman's Path Cards. Dr. Farmer offers individual consultations and relationship counseling in person or remotely by phone or Zoom, drawing from his wealth of training and experience as a psychotherapist, shamanic healer, and trauma recovery specialist. He also serves on the board of the Society of Shamanic Practice. Welcome to Big Universe, Stephen. It's wonderful to have you. Well, thanks. Thanks for uh, inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. This is going to be fun. Um, so I have to tell you that that Sarah is a big is the big animal person on the show. Um, yeah. So I am new to all this. This is all very new to me. 
Um, I, I've heard about spirit guides and, and uh, animal spirit guides and that sort of thing, but I'm really just kind of starting out. And I, I find it, well, first of all, I find it uh, fascinating that you're both a psychotherapist and a shamanic healer. What's the difference between those, between shamanism and, and uh, psychotherapy and how you approach things? Uh, it's a good question, Jim. Psychotherapy is really, I guess I, you'd say a little more uh, juxtaposed the two words, contemporary, traditional. In other words, in the last uh, several decades, that's been the go-to when you're having any kind of emotional struggles or mental struggles or anything like that. And the psychotherapist can pull from a number of different um, methodologies to approach how to work with uh, the client. Uh, I don't like to call the people I see client uh, patients because there's a term I come to understand what patient means. And you can look this up. It's submissive sufferer. I did not know that. I didn't know. Oh, either. I'm never going to be a patient again. No, I never am. I even in the doctors <laughs> I go see, I you know, I say I'm a client, you know, but I, they, I don't care. They, they can call me a patient if they want to. Bernie Siegel uh, is the one who uh, described that. Anyway, so psychotherapy can incorporate a number of different approaches that, again, fit the uh, palette, if you will, of Western civilization. In other words, um, nothing too weird you know, nothing too out there, that sort of thing. There are uh, methodologies, particularly these days, I think what we're discovering more and more about the effects of uh, trauma, particularly early childhood trauma, but any kind of trauma. Um, and more importantly, that there are methodologies that, are, that have surfaced that can be very effective in healing what's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, although I don't think it's a disorder. Uh, when we're traumatized, the uh, body and mind make remarkable adaptations just to survive. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate part is that when the traumatic event's over, those adaptations are not functional, you mm -hmm. know, for day-to-day -day life. Right. Shamanic uh, practice or shamanic healing is, I said the, the first one was contemporary <laughs> uh, traditional, meaning it's been a tradition for several decades, but shamanic or shamanism goes back thousands of years. Uh, I, I suspect that all of us in our deep ancestry, you know, long time ago, have some kind of very distant relationship with an elder that lived in the tribe that he or she was the go-to person. And the gift of the shaman was that, I'm going to say he, but it could be he or she, the gift or the talent of the shaman <clears throat> is that they could all uh, travel, their, it's in their consciousness, you alternate reality. One that is with us time, but we ordinary, we just don't deal with it. We deal with ordinary reality, you know, just paying the bills, getting food, you know, that kind of thing. But the, uh, the shaman's uh, gift or talent would be to go to this alternate reality and there having developed a relationship with various spirit guides, uh, ancestors, uh, ascended masters, and then particularly for our purpose here, nature spirits, specifically uh, animal spirits or spirit animals. <clears throat> and there receive information and bring it back to the community, the family, the individual that will pa be passed along, uh, might be a ceremony that's done. Uh, it might be a specific kind of healing. Uh, it could be a, um, a, a 
a ceremony to discover where the food is, that sort of thing, and how to how to acquire that. So it's um, in contemporary times, it's it's been uh, heard of more and more. I th I'd say in probably about the last forty years or so. And it started, I think, I believe it started really, first off, Native Americans, the, pe the people are indigenous and native to Americas, as well as other uh, nations also. Uh, I should say other indigenous communities, they still have practiced this uh, shamanism, you know, this capacity to, to deal with things by getting advice from spirit helpers. In the last roughly 40 years or so, it's been brought into the United States and one particular man, Michael Harner, I think was really instrumental in, in bringing this and teaching a lot of people. I was taught and studied with Michael Harner as did literally thousands of other people that really became sort of a springboard, you know, into doing a more active shamanic practice. So uh, it's grown and now uh, what we're seeing and I think probably the most absolutely extreme example of the absurdity of calling yourself a shaman is what happened in the uh, insurrection, the, what's been called the insurrection, where the guy with the buffalo horns is. Oh right, yeah, right, right. Right. yeah. I go, oh my god, no. Right, right. <laughs> First off, I don't consider myself a shaman. Uh, there are people that do, and that's fine. I really think of myself as a shamanic practitioner, a shamanic healer. Uh, I've, I've not apprenticed with somebody who has, you know, several thousand years of lineage behind them to train under a, an actual shaman. It's, uh, it's an overused word, unfortunately, and that's just the way it is. It's just, uh, I don't believe I, go, I can go out and put it on a business card. I, it just doesn't feel right, you know, to me to do that. Although I have practiced for many, many years and I get results, Still, I think I come from a whole different lineage, you mm -hmm. know, that wasn't uh, trained in that, you know, or where it what hasn't been passed along. Right, right. So that's just my point of view, and uh, some people will disagree with it, but uh, that doesn't matter to me. I think it's it's a pretty strong point of view I have about the label, and again, it's also been sort of diluted in many many ways, unfortunately. But anyway, that's a gift in there, and there are various healing. Uh, methodologies, but they all depend upon a relationship with spirit guides. So in a, you know, kind of in a nutshell, that's what the distinction is. Now, I, I used to, when I started doing shamanic practice several years ago, I sort of put aside a lot of the psychotherapy training that I had in various things. And I brought that back in, um, I'd say in about the last five years, because I'm going, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's some powerful yeah. methodologies, you know, EMDR for trauma recovery, somatic therapy, mm -hmm. uh, tapping. You've seen about tapping. Sure, sure. Technique, hypnosis, you know, those are all valuable tools. So now that's all incorporated in what I do. How did you make the leap from initially from psychotherapy to shamanic? practices i mean what caused what brought you to, to into that uh, philosophy I, i'd say first i would say it's a calling you know it was like somebody whispering in my ear or somebody going come on over here and um i had a very successful therapy practice i enjoyed it i worked long hours i mean i was i was good at it and still am um not that's not an ego trip it's just i know that you know i've got enough experience and such 
But um, what happened is that a friend of mine <clears throat> gave me a book, first off, and it was called The Way of the Shaman, again, by Michael Harner, who I think is, is the, the person that really was the one to bring this into contemporary culture. He said at one time, he said, um, as long as people are doing what they're doing to the earth, I'm going to teach as many people as possible about mm. shamanism. So he came up with something called core shamanism. <clears throat> so Jim and Sarah, I, I uh, uh, read the book. I got very intrigued by it because it was still, it was new to me at that time. We're talking 20, probably about 27 years ago, 28 years ago. And my friend said, um, you know, here's a, there's, there's two day introductory courses. You know, you should go to one. There's one right here in San Diego. I live in Orange County, uh, California. So I went, I shot out of there. I, I remember going to Michael and saying, what do I do next? You know, is there's, there's a three-year program, you know, am I ready for the three-year program? You know, what could, I was like, a, I was so turned <laughs> off. Excited, you know? It was just like, wow, this is great. I get chills as I talk about it out of the, my body remembers what that feeling was like. And he basically <laughs> said, all right, boy, slow down, you know, <laughs> you know, and then he suggested something, which was a two week thing at uh, Esalen here in California, which I did. And then I, I grabbed hold of some other kind of trainings and different uh, shamanic traditions. Uh, Celtic shamanism, fascinating. Tom Cowan uh, did some work with him. Puna, which is Hawaiian shamanism, uh, Tibetan shamanism, and then further cor other courses with uh, Harner's Foundation for Shamanic Studies offered several other different courses in various uh, shamanic techniques. So I was just on fire, you know, and I said, this is it. This is the next step. And gradually uh, started publishing or writing and then publishing books more related to shamanism or uh, like serving as a bridge between you know, the kind of normal stuff in shamanism. Thus, Sacred Ceremony was the first book, Earth Magic, which explained shamanism, and then these other um, publications and oracle cards on uh, animals, spirit animals, because <clears throat> people can grab hold of that, and they don't even need to be interested in shamanism. Yeah, but it yeah. Does, it orients, by the practice of this, you start to think differently, and you start to relate to the natural world a little differently. Mm -hmm. As uh, many Native Americans, as well as other indigenous communities, uh, it's it's just a given that we're related to everything. Everything right. is a relative. Right. For us growing up in this Western uh, world, to come across that concept is like, well, yeah, sort of. Okay, I get it. You know, those are nice trees. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> it's not, not yeah. this heartfelt sense of a deep relationship. Right. With right. Our, uh, beautiful beautiful and very tempestuous planet you know that is is the mother of us all really mm -hmm. you know at least the physical mother so uh that's one of the aims and i'm sure sarah you could comment on this as well that's one of the intentions really of the practice of these kind of shamanic realities it's a different point of view yeah well we are we're gonna have to take a quick break um we'll be right back with stephen farmer in just a minute on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're, we're with uh, Stephen Farmer. Now, Stephen, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I don't know a whole lot about animal guides and animal power animals and that sort of thing. Um, what do you mean when you talk about, for instance, a power animal? What, what is that? Uh, well, Jim, there, I would start with a sort of an umbrella term, okay, uh, which would be, you could say either animal spirit guides or spirit animals. It, it, I use those interchangeably. They basically mean the same thing. Uh-huh. And uh, you could, one way to look at it, I'm going to just paint a, a broad swath here, that we are expressions of consciousness in the larger field of consciousness, that tree is conscious. You know, even some would say those rocks are conscious, you know, an mm -hmm. expression of consciousness of some way. Mm -hmm. So an animal spirit guide is a physical being or a symbolic being. They show up either physically or symbolically, meaning like in the dreams or a poster or something like that. Uh -huh. Basically as, as an expression of consciousness that's collaborating with you even though we're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and put that aside. Generally, the, the rule of thumb about whether this animal that you saw, uh, um, again, either the physical animal or the symbol of the animal, generally what we look for is either an unusual appearance or sh repetition in a short period of time. Okay, what's an unusual appearance? Um, I, in this neighborhood, I live in a very semi-urban, uh, not urban, but suburban neighborhood in Nina Point. And there was an experience that lasted for probably about a month. When I took my dog, now dogs, but when I would take my dog out to walk, I would hear, not too far away, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going, wow, owl. So I, we would sing to each other just like that, back and forth. And this, this owl followed me all the way to the local park where I took my dog. Huh. Given that, that doesn't, that's not a daily occurrence, I took that as an unusual mm -hmm. experience. Another instance was when I was working on one of the Oracle card decks. You know, I'm in my office and the, the building or the uh, house I was in, uh, there were sliding glass doors way in the back in a long hallway that led to my office, excuse me, that was way in the front, a long hallway led to the office in the back. And one day I'm working away. Well, you know, I, I confess I was goofing off. <laughs> <laughs> Radical honesty. It's yeah. easy to get distracted. I mean, it is, sure is for me. Once I'm focused, I'm fine, but it, it, like I dance around. So I play back Ammon, you know, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. In flies this hawk, this red-tailed hawk, which it turned out to be a juvenile red-tailed hawk. Off to the left of my, you know, I can see it even as I turn my head. The, you know, listeners can't tell this, but uh, I turn my head to the left and, I, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this flash and it turned out to be hard. Well, I had my sliding glass doors closed. So I went bulk and sat there. It was stunned. It didn't, it didn't die. It was stunned. So it was like sitting there right next to the glass. And I remember saying to myself, Okay, Mr. Animal Spirit Guides guy, what's this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> An unusual occurrence. And one of the, what you can do is, 
if you understand some of the characteristics of the physical animal, hmm. it can give you a clue as a metaphor for the guidance that you're receiving. Guess what? The guidance that I got right away when I asked that question, this I hear things a lot. I either hear or feel things typically. Mm -hmm. Anybody, any, either you want to guess? Get back to work. Yes. Stephen Farmer. Okay. <laughs> you got it, Sarah. You got it. The, the, the key word was focus. And mm. that is a gift or medicine, as someone say, of a physical hawk. You know, they have this great capacity to see the broader picture, you know, from above. And then when they see lunch, you know, they focus, they focus right. in, and they also go for the goal. Well, here's my question about that. Um, when you encounter, you say you encounter the animal, are you are you encountering, what exactly are you encountering? Are you encountering a manifestation of spirit as the animal guide? Or are you encountering, are you encountering the, the physical animal in some way or some sort? No, that's a good question, Jim. Um, it's it, not to throw a curve, but it's both and. Okay. I'm encountering the physical animal, but unless I have this this openness to consider, uh -huh. it also may be a message from God or spirit or source okay. or whatever you want to call that, or the great mystery as as uh, Sarah offered. Sure. Uh, it, it everything that is in physical form right now once was energy or spirit. It's just mm -hmm. the way it is, <laughs> and so this hawk that flew in here was yes it was a physical hawk so i was encountering that and it was a clue to the sort of behind the scenes of the physical hawk that there there was something that happened in my consciousness and the consciousness of this being and great spirit that in a sense sent this animal to me to basically say, get back on the horse, you know, get back to work. Okay. Okay. It's fine. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I have to mention that, uh, you know, often when I'm talking with Sarah, um, she makes this owl sound and I don't know what to make of that. You know, um, she just randomly does that. So I, I don't know. I'm going to have to explore that. I That's do great. not, but I, <laughs> but, but I can say that I, I just, Stephen, when you were making that noise, it reminded me that after, after um, studying with you, when I came home, I started speaking to the birds in my yard. Ah. And so, and, and I still do. And it drives my husband nuts, but I'll be out in the middle of the backyard, you know, trying to make, you know, and make, make the noise and communicate in some way. But I think what the value of of the system or this this perspective for me was really around awareness of mm -hmm. something is calling for my awareness yeah. and i had a, an experience a couple of weeks ago with a an owl that as i was driving almost hit the side of my car mm -hmm. and i i felt its talons or heard its 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 talons kind of scrape across the top of my jeep and i was i was scared i was you know it was a real scary moment of oh my god i almost just you know hurt another being but it was a moment you know i had been very very busy for a lot of weeks i was driving probably pretty unfocused and then something was calling for my attention of hey sarah like stop and i pulled over and said what what is the message in this and what what do i need to learn and what do i need to understand and then i got home and then i pulled my four books by Stephen Farmer and looked up owl <laughs> to see if, you know, if there was a correlation between what I was feeling 
and what those archetypal values or attributes of that animal are too. So, you know, there's, there can be a very practical sense of it too, sometimes for me. Yeah. yeah, Thank you, Sarah. I, it is, I think always has a practical element to it. You know, when you are visited by an animal that's sent from God, you know, as I quote, you think about it, it, or whatever word you want to use for, you know, use the force, Luke, you know, whatever word you want to use for that. Perfect. When you're talking Star Wars, we're right with you there. Go ahead. <laughs> right there, Jim. <laughs> anyway, so um, I think that's a great story. And then again, there's different ways to interpret. And a lot of times people say, well, how do you figure out what the message is? There's one, Sarah, what you just described. You know, you can go to certainly my books as a reference, but you can also, you know, save yourself some money. Go to the Internet. You know, I probably shouldn't say that, but go to the Internet, you know, you, and look up Owl Spirit. Uh, owl totem animal, owl power animal, you know, and see what you see what comes to you. That's that's a, a really good way to do it. You know, it's right right in front of you. If you've got a computer, or iPad, or something like that. Um, the other thing, though, and that's what I was mentioning earlier, is that if you if you make a study or you learn a little bit about the animal, you might be able to deduce, you know, analyze and deduce what the possible message is. Yeah, that's my that was my question. How do you communicate with your with your animal spirit? Yeah, it's and it's not animal communication. That's a little right. separate bag over here. It's spirit animal communication. Right, right, right. So the third way, I'm glad you asked the question, because the third way is where it gets really interesting. Hmm. Let's say like the owl incident or the owl that was we were singing back and forth. You know, I have an idea of what owl's medicine is already, so uh, I wasn't surprised. Um one sing because I sing and play guitar a lot and I wasn't doing a lot of it. So that was one clear message and it was based on the behavior, <clears throat> behavior of the owl. The other way though, is to ask the spirit animal, which is, um, I would say, I don't want to say a little more advanced or, you know, it, it takes a little practice, but let's say, Oh, let's say I, I walk outside and there's crow sitting right there and looks right at me, you know, with the, the one eye. And he's only a few feet away. So I figured, oh, that's unusual. That doesn't happen very often. So then I, one option I have is to close my eyes, take a couple of deep breaths and say, Crow brother, you know, what's your message? Here's the key, though, in receiving that. Some people are stronger in any one of these four ways of perceiving. But let me, let me line them out here. One, visual. You know, I might see, see an image in my mind's eye. That tells a story about what the message is. Second, auditory. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is frequent for me. This is one of my strong points is I can hear the message. And as a writer, that makes sense. I work with words. So I hear the message. Right. That's one option. Third is what I, I call kinesthetic. And that simply means that I sense something in my body. I get chills on the back of my neck. I may not know what it means, but I, I'm getting the message that way. Right, right. Fourth, and this is interesting, and it's close to what you might call intuition, and that's this cognitive or knowing. I just immediately know what the message is. You know, I don't know why or how I know that, but I just know the message. So you have to take into account what are your strong points? You know, how do you take the world in? Hmm. You know, of course, visually, if you unless you're blind, but visually, but that may not be your strong point in this kind of work. You know, mine, like I say, is body or kinesthetic and hearing. And then over the years practicing this, I do get, I see things, you know, sometimes even with my eyes open, but certainly with my eyes closed in my mind's eye. Mm -hmm. So once you ask the question, pay attention to whatever comes to you, even if it doesn't make sense at the time, 
So people in workshops sometimes say, well, I didn't get anything. And I go, well, something happened, you know, when I've done this exercise. Uh, something happened. What happened? What'd you notice? Oh, I didn't get anything. I said, well, were you breathing? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and then they go, I did get something, you know. I just saw a real flash of this or that or whatever. That's your message. You know, hmm. you may not understand it, but that's your message. It takes a little bit more work that way. Then you asked about power animals, Jim. I don't want to skirt by that. There's there's a couple other references about spirit animals, totem animals and power animals. And real quickly, sure. totem animals typically be an animal, a spirit animal shared by a group, community, clan. Okay. Totem poles. You know, okay. there's within the tribe, there's, there's a few different clans that are represented. That's the best we understand what the totem poles represent. And it makes sense. Um, even today, we have, you know, uh, a version of it with sports teams. <laughs> you know, think of a Chicago Bears. Right. The Philadelphia Eagles, et cetera, et cetera. Even though that doesn't have that same strata of meaning, it's what we tend to do. The right. Or, or yeah. however, however well they play doesn't have anything to do that's, with it. That's true. <laughs> Amen. That's true. And then there's power animals. Power animals comes from uh, shamanism, and that's a particular spirit animal that you join with or you develop a relationship with that comes to you. And uh, there's a you know a couple different ways it could come to you, but uh, that that spirit animal um, then becomes a power animal. And it's not about shamanism in that way. You don't have to be a shamanic practitioner or even interested in shamanism to develop that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, I. I'll tell you, this stuff works. You know, hmm. I I can share this because this is what I teach. But uh, in that initial workshop that I shared with you, this two-day workshop, um, we did some, uh, on behalf of each other, we would find the other person's power animal. So I paired up with this guy, and he gets does the thing and finds this power animal, and it turns out to be a wolf. Hmm. And I went, well, you know, I got a, here's another confession, okay. My inside my mind, I went, wolf, that's so common. <laughs> I'm special, you know, that kind of. Right. I'm special. I want a unicorn. Yeah, something, you know, something like that, or wombat, or, you know, something exotic. You know? Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. But anyway, I, you know, what has proven to be true because I thought, no, I, I just need to continue to develop it. He's been a, an amazing spirit animal, power animal. I always feel protected. It's a, it's the strangest uh, feeling. And hmm. I'm a little shy even about saying that, but I always feel protected whether I'm aware of his presence or not. And I know that my final day that he's going to help transport, transport me to the afterlife along with some ancestors that are going to uh, go with me and, and meet me there. But, Fascinating. Um, yeah. I mean, just odd, oddball things like, you know, I take the dog to the park and hope that the animal control officer is not there. So I asked Wolf to make sure you warn us. <laughs> And so far, it's so good. Yeah, so good. Far, so good. That's a power animal. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned, real, or Sarah mentioned unicorns. You say that uh, in your book, uh, one of your books, you say that mythical creatures can kind of be spiritual guides for you, like unicorns oh. and dragons. How, how so? Well, I, when I, that first came to me, I dismissed it. I said, well, you can't know. It's, they're mythological creatures. But um, through the process of what I've described as asking other spirit guides, you know, is that cool? And I got a resounding yes. And the reason for, I, the reason that it can be like a, um, oh, Pegasus, uh, Phoenix, uh, dragon uh, spirit, a uh, unicorn, 
uh, is that they are in our consciousness. Remember I said this field of consciousness? It's a, an image that's shared by a vast number of human beings. And so it exists in that similar realm as, let's say, uh, an elephant spirit, you know, or crow spirit or raven or wolf spirit. It exists in that same realm so that somebody is, um, discovers their power animal is a unicorn. Mm-hmm. And they might go, unicorn, do they really exist or not? You know, which we, I've looked it up and nobody seems to have a definitive answer that like that might, they might have existed in the physical form. Hmm. I've yet to see anybody have Godzilla as a spirit animal. <laughs> So I'm going to take that as a challenge, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so in right I now. I'm saying, Godzilla, will. if you are ready to come, I am ready. <laughs> you know, but that, but that's a really good segue, Stephen. If I, if I can take us in in a slightly different direction, which is that there, there's a sometimes a fear-based component for this for people, where you know the who am I to have this conversation. Or what is, you know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to make this connection, or I don't know how to connect to an animal or, you know, things that hold us, hold us back from those connections. And I often think, you know, that happens in all of these kind of areas of consciousness where who am I to talk to Jesus or who am I to talk to angels or who am I to talk to, you know, insert whatever here. Um, But I do find that for some reason, this kind of bridging of the, the anthropomorphic to the, um, four-legged or the winged or the finned or the swimming right there's a there's kind of a barrier there for people can you talk to if if our listeners are feeling that or feeling that resistance to you know i can't connect with these they don't speak the same language you know or this kind of thing what what are ways for working with that resistance well i i always say be a good scientist you know pure a pure scientist is willing to experiment to to put beliefs and disbeliefs aside you know it's not necessary to believe in this but i invite people to Put that aside in disbeliefs and try it out. You know, try it out for yourself. That's the best test is the experience. Or as I heard the other day, that's what life's all about is experience, period. End of story. And I thought, well, that's almost too simple, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. So test it out. Be a scientist. You know, it's like put this in here and this beaker and this one and this and see what happens. And hopefully it wasn't won't explode. The other thing I think in our ancestral lineage quite often there's something there and people would call it past life. Perhaps that's fine with me, but I believe more and more that it's ancestral, these memories that, that come to us and they may not be conscious to us, but we feel the fear. I remember one time, and this is many, many moons ago, like decades, literally, I heard somebody talking about doing this work. And this person said, Oh, I had a past life where I was burned as a witch. And I got, I still do, I get prickles. You know, mm. my fur stands up. Mm-hmm. And I went, whoa, that's really interesting. Let's investigate that. And I did have, call it what do you want, a past life memory or some ancestral DNA memory that came through of being persecuted for doing this kind of work. So I think part of it, Sarah, uh, excellent question too. Part of it is we've got some stuff inside that was handed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, about fears of being, first off, Everybody's trying to be normal. <laughs> Except for those of us who are on this podcast or listening. <laughs> exactly. you know, I, I'm almost slightly insulted if somebody says, well, you're normal. I mean, I, the truth is I look normal. I put my, co- my costume, shamanic costume, is a band. It's a red a band that goes around the head. That's pretty much it. And then I bring out the other things, the other tools. 
but you know, I, I, I some have called us bridge walkers. Hmm. Hmm. That means we have that capacity to go back and forth between the two worlds. You know, the world of ordinary reality. I still have to take the trash out. You know, I, I have to uh, uh, drive to get groceries. You know, things like that. You got to be able to operate in the in the no, the normal world, I guess, or the world of what I think the best term is ordinary reality. Hmm. And again, it's harder said one time. Non ordinary reality is a piece of cake to navigate. Ordinary reality, on the other hand, is much more difficult. <laughs> but yeah. we have to be able to live in the world in some fashion. Right. And yeah, you know, we're we're a group of abnormal people, you know. And I celebrate that. Yeah, don't don't worry about being normal. You know, you have your ethics and your creeds, and you don't want to hurt people or hurt anything as best you can. You know, it's pretty simple, basic stuff. You know, do unto others that kind of stuff. Uh, that helps, and then we go and do the work that we need to do. You know, we create a fire, dance around the fire, do a full moon ceremony, which is coming up very, very shortly, mm -hmm. you know, to do something that also not only connects us with the earth and the spirits of the natural world, but it connects us with our ancestors. And I find more and more over the last several years that connection with the ancestors is, is critical, not just mom and dad, but the ones that go into depth, you know, back in Ireland somewhere, in England, the British Isles. You know, I know my ancestors lived there and I've been in touch with one of them, you know, that was the, the, there was a different term for, there's different terms in different cultures for what we call shaman, mm -hmm. curandera or curandero in, in Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, sangoma, you know, in the Zulu, but it's all the same principle is working with the spirit guides, you know, directly. And frankly, Jim, uh, it's time. Mm -hmm. Yes this awakening that's going on in spite of all of the craziness and weirdness that we've had to experience over the last uh, year, two years, it is also a time of awakening, a real transition, you know, come to, uh, I don't mean to insult me, but it's like a come to Jesus moment. You know, it's time. Right. You know, we need to heed. I think Jesus would appreciate that. I think he would oh, say he exactly does. the same thing, Stephen. <laughs> he does. You know, we've communicated, you know, mm -hmm. I, I that, that's not no surprise, you know. He's like going, yeah. thank God. <laughs> you know, we're, waking, we're waking up. Right, Yay. right. Can I ask you about, um, you know, communication when it comes to, we just have a couple minutes left, but I'm curious sure. about our companions, you know, our animal companions. Um, I have... I had I had a dog, my first dog. I When I was a kid, I was terrified of dogs. It came down from my grandmother and my mother, and I was terrified of dogs. Right. But then I then I met this this dog that I fell in love with, and she is she was my greatest companion, and she's still you know even though she's passed on years ago, I still feel a connection to her. Um, how do how does this come together with the idea of connecting with with spirit? Does it at all in terms of our companion? Yeah, yeah it's a really good question because again, animal spirit guides the term is a, it's kind of a general or generic term, you know, for any animal, including beloved pets that have passed on into spirit world. Mm -hmm. The difference there is power animals cannot be domesticated pets. Okay. Gotcha. You know, we're looking for uh, animals that are in touch with the wild, you know, more directly with the wild. So you may, uh, people report how they, they feel their, their beloved cat mm -hmm. who is passed on jumping on the bed. Mm -hmm. You know, and feeling the impression that happens in my house often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear the barking, and you go, "Wait a minute, that's 
you know, that's Lulu or whoever the animal is that mm -hmm. died, you know, two years ago. Uh, we have an interesting dynamic here real quickly as my mother-in-law lives with this and she's, she's great. You know, there's no mother-in-law jokes, <laughs> you know, she's really great. And she just recently had to put down her cat, Rufus, and uh, we all went with her. It was so, so touching. It was this beautiful ceremony. And it was appropriate because the cat was suffering liver cancer. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. two other cats, one named Simba, who happens to be of the similar coloration, orange, white. Simba has spent so much time with uh, Nona, that's uh, Lebanese for grandma, has spent so much time. She sits on, Simba sits on her lap and it's like Simba knows, mm -hmm. you know, that she's grieving. Yeah. but has provided a great deal of comfort that plus she felt very supported, you know, and we, we all went, we had to. Right. So kind of steering around your question, but yeah, it, listen for the barking, you know, pay attention. You might smell, mm -hmm. you know, my brother, even he's not an animal, but he died some years ago, but every so often I get a smell of cigarette smoke mm -hmm. and I look around, nobody's smoking. And I go, Oh, thanks Wally. Right. Right. Well, I hate to end our conversation because there's, we didn't even get into all the ancestral spiritual stuff that I, I really want to get into. So I hope you'll come back at some point. I'd, be, I'd love to. Yeah. Anytime, you know, if Sarah will have me. I think Sarah, I think Sarah would be okay <laughs> anytime, with that. Anytime, Stephen. I think it would be great to get into that. So this, this is uh stay tuned folks. This is a cliffhanger. <laughs> to be continued. Dot, 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 dot. To be continued. Well, Stephen, that's what I want to put in my gravestone. <laughs> Well, Dr. Stephen Farmer is a psychotherapist, shamanic healer. His books and products include Animal Spirit Guides, Earth Magic, so many others. Um, you can find more information about Stephen at drstephenfarmer.com. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses, and I help to create them on my website called youthrivefear.com. Steve, uh, Stephen, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lecter. We'll be talking with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.